Hey there, Girl Getters. My name is Carolee Moore. And I'm Melanie Rice, and you are listening to the Be More Mindful podcast. Now, are you an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur? Then you are in the right place because here we help you shift your mindset so you can transform your business. And today, we don't actually have a guest. This is our first official, I guess, regular length episode, we thought it would, it was only fitting to talk about the leap. And that is the leap between being a full-time nine-to-fiver or maybe a part-time moonlighter entrepreneur to a full-time entrepreneur. That journey, that leap is interesting. <laughs> it's fundamental, I think, yeah. because when we talk about the mindset to take this step, mm -hmm. it really is the thing that you're going to have to do again and again. Oh, yeah. Because as you build and scale and try and fail, did not mean to rhyme, but you're welcome. Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to come back to some of those really core tools that took you from the hardest moment. I really do think it's the hardest step to take is that very first one. For sure. And, and there's so many approaches to it. I think that's, for me, that was the really hard part, right? Because you hear a lot of people who are like, oh, well, I'll just dip my toe in the water. The midnight moonlighters. When do you finally cut off the extra revenue and make it your main revenue? And the how scary it becomes when it has to be the sole supporter, right? Suddenly your mm -hmm. passion project is now your total income. Or it was no big deal and now it's a full-blown business. And those those are huge mindset shifts. And I, I think there's a lot to be said. Yeah, you got to go and you got to do it. And there's a lot of learning available there. Mm -hmm. But I do think there's ways to prepare for that. Yeah, I am, I am so not the person that's going to tell someone like, I mean, forget resources. You don't need that much money. You just need to start. You can quit that job tomorrow <laughs> and just do... Jump off the cliff. Um, and I've I've heard several people, several notable people tell folks to just kind of take the leap. Now, the take the leap, yes, eventually you will have to take the leap, you know, analysis through paralysis or, or is it paralysis through analysis? One of those things. They cause each other, frankly. Right. For me, you still have to be smart about it. And the people who were not smart about it a.k.a. the person who's talking right now, <laughs> will tell you <laughs> it's really important to be, you know, smart about it. And one of those things is fortifying your mindset, obviously trying to save as much as you can on the side to prepare you for the, the months <laughs> that you might not be profitable. Or, you know, maybe you start off with a bang and, and slow seasons come because they will. Having something to kind of buffer that. But for me, that if we're talking about the leap and kind of breaking it down into pieces, that first piece of like when to take that leap, what's your feeling about when it when is the right time to leap? I'd say that's a tough one, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I do think that's super specific, and we'll dive into our our individual stories because right. I think you got, the audience will need to understand the context of why we're saying what we're saying. Because I actually feel the opposite. Mm -hmm. I do know there's a cutoff point, um, and I was one of those people who, quote unquote, did it smart, and it still failed pretty mm -hmm. miserably, and I felt stupid anyway. So I, I'm not convinced that there is any pretty way or exact way, but what I would say is the most important is when, when it's constant, when there's a burning desire to do it, mm -hmm. um, probably when your fear is the highest, that's your body calling to you begging you to break through, begging you to make a move. It's making you uncomfortable with that fear on purpose mm -hmm. because it's saying, please, this has to get out of my body. I know you don't know everything yet, but this needs to happen. When you have that, it's a consistent thought. It's a consistent desire and curiosity. That's when it's time to feed the beast. Well, that's not scary. <laughs> feed the beast. It is, a, is. It yeah. is. It's yeah. a. We always. <laughs> it's that fire. I mean, and it's terrifying because it it is. It's an unknown, and you are kind of you know out of the frying pan into the fire. Mm -hmm. I think those anal. I'm using those analogies on purpose because I can remember physically what it felt when mm -hmm. I made the decision, and it felt like fire in my belly. It literally was a. It was both excitement and a, and a knowing that I could not really explain and mm -hmm. a fear that made me hot, physically hot. Yeah. No, I so for me because I didn't have 
I didn't have the false sense of security as you're putting it now of like, oh, I saved up all this money. I've done the, the, the right way. I've, mine was kind of like, okay, so you need to pay your rent. Um, <laughs> and you've been looking for a job. You're in this new place that you just moved to and you know no one. You have no family. You have no friends. It's COVID. <laughs> do, I, do I need to continue to... It was not ripe for, hey, I'm just going to go out and start my own business. So for me, when I say, hey, do it the right way, I don't know that fear should be the driver. And for me, because fear was my driver, I didn't really fully leap. Hmm. And I know it sounds counterintuitive, but when you're making decisions out of fear, you're not fully able to own it. Because there's an anxiety there. And when you're anxious and when you're fearful, you make decisions that are not yeah, forward they're, thinking. They're 80%. Exactly. Because yeah. you don't want to get right up to the line. Yeah. And that's being nice. <laughs> I don't know if it was 80%. Uh, which led, you know, for a year of just kind of sort of doing it, but not really. Mm. Being able. <laughs> so you could you could say, oh, well, I, I did it. It's. It's a half failure, right? Yeah, ex exactly. So mm. there is a there is a wrong way <laughs> to leap, which, to be fair, is if you want to take the literal analogy of falling, they're both bad to hit the ground. But imagine you just scraping the crap out of your body as you're falling from branch to branch <laughs> because you haven't made up your mind yet. So you're hurting on the way down. Mm. Right? So you're saying there's some joy to be had if you if you take the leap with some preparation. Intention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is there are, there are lessons it's hard no matter what. True. Period. And the journeys are still very difficult. What I learned is if you're gonna do it, do it. If you're gonna leap, jump. Okay, so I, I want to address something that I think we that is so present in that experience, mm -hmm. and that's grief, mm. because there it's it's not it's scary to jump, sure, because mm -hmm. you're in the unknown, mm -hmm. but there's always, especially for the an entrepreneur person, they're usually letting go of something. Oh, thousand percent. Fam oh, that's the family good. expectations. That's good. That is good. A life they built, a life they thought they would have. Mm -hmm expectations for them from others mm -hmm. in particular mm -hmm. or just knowing that you are there's a separation that happens mm -hmm. and a loss because you are separating from something that was meaningful to you in your life that's so huge Mel I, I think that piece alone so many people don't understand and know that that's coming and it hits them like a ton of bricks yeah because we don't talk about it and it's not defined as grief. You know, you're almost kind of by yourself in this beginning phase where you're just starting a network, maybe trying mm -hmm. to figure it out. Your family and your friends don't understand what the heck you're doing. They really don't. Some of them might just think that you're unemployed now. <laughs> like you, you willingly left your job to be unemployed. Great. Yeah. People you love and respect think that. Yeah. And you now have to come to terms with, okay, maybe you had a lifestyle that you were flying and traveling all over the place. You were eating good food. You were, you know, buying expensive clothes and bags and shoes and all this stuff. And now you're in a space where you're counting, you know, the quarters in between your couch cushions to see if you can go buy gas, right? Like yeah. it is, that is entrepreneurship in the beginning. And yeah. for some people, they never actually leave that phase of the journey. And yeah. unless you are able to conquer your mind, I'm not saying this to be glib. You will get stuck there. It's true. You said it when you make decisions out of fear and the spiral mm -hmm. of making those decisions. Like you said, they're half decisions. You're half trying. You get mm -hmm. into survival mode and you get stuck and you cannot yeah. grow a business of abundance that requires an abundance mindset and that's impossible to do if you are not prepared to deal with the scariness of yeah. having to fight for your survival but allowing yourself to recognize yeah i'm gonna go through this season and do what it takes to stay focused yeah I, and i say stay focused because there's also that idea 
like you've said, everything's real glossy, real sexy, be an entrepreneur, be the boss. And that happened a lot to people in 2008. And it did get easier with technology, to be fair, over the last 10, right. 20 years. Right. But, <laughs> but it's still... The work's still there. The work is still there. And it's not going to happen overnight. And I really thought, I mean, I thought that. I also did it wrong. I did it differently from you, but mm -hmm. I did the leap wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't as much intention. And if someone had told me mm -hmm. that grief was coming, <laughs> I do think I could have at least found some resources. I would have sought out a specific type of mentor. I would have sought out different types of books. I would have sought out different types of conferences. Instead, I was always just like, hurry up and be successful mm -hmm. so no one knows how painful this is. Oh, goodness. Ugh. Sorry, I just like yelled in your ear. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because it... You want to get away from the discomfort. True. And it is it is learning how, and this is why we're doing this whole mindset situation with entrepreneurship, it is learning how to take and bend the things that were meant to break you mm -hmm. into the foundation and eventually the springboard that launches you into the life that you were meant to live. You can't hide it. You can't sweep it under the rug. It's there. And if you experience it for long enough and understand where it fits into your journey, that it's not your complete story, but it's absolutely a part of it, you would stop trying to fake the funk and act like everything is okay because it's not. I did that for two years. Oh, yeah. So many people are doing that, still doing still that. Still doing that. Okay, yeah. Hear, <laughs> hear us loud and clear. So many people are still doing that. And it's not that I'm... When we say wipe off the gloss, we're not talking about, oh, we just we want to make sure you see the ugly. No. Uh -huh. We want you to know and appreciate the real work. And it's super dynamic. There's all kinds of things. There's love and happiness and tears and fear and secret wins when you finally get something really small done or just because you got up today or because you actually planned your meal today. Any of it. There's so many happy moments, highs, lows, interesting moments, scary moments. It's everything. Yeah. And I think especially people who are leaping from something comfortable, mm -hmm. um, it brings, I like it now. I appreciate that it's brought all of life to me because life is all these things. And frankly, if it was just the comfortable life I left, I would be bored. I will say this, and I think this is this needs to be said. Um, not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur. Hands down. And if you are listening to this, and you're like, I don't want those problems. Um, yeah, please don't. <laughs> please don't take the leap. Please stay in the job that you're in. Please do the thing that you are passionate about on the side and continue to, you know, make a little extra money and, you know, live your best life and travel when you want to and do your thing and, and work in the company that you're in that's nice and you like your coworkers and you get your time off and you do your thing. Absolutely. I'm really not a fan of people villainizing folks who are choosing to stay in the nine to five workforce and, and choosing to stay in a steady paycheck. That is, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But it goes back to what you said about when is the right time to jump and what are the things that kind of make it very clear that it's time. It's that burning. It's the desire that can't be quenched by anything. You know, there is a knowing in you that you're meant to do something, this thing, and it's not what you're doing right now. And you know that you're meant to lead. You know that you're meant to do just bigger than what you're doing right now. And if you can make that decision, like, I'm just going to bet on myself and do this thing, then that's what this podcast is really about and is to help the folks who, are, who have come to that point or who are wrestling with that point to say, okay, what are the tools that I need to fortify my mind? This is, we're not going to talk about sales and marketing and all the things. We run a marketing and branding agency. We're not talking about branding. We're not talking about marketing. This is strictly about mindset because at the end of the day, you can have the best marketing plan. You can have, as Mel said, money in the bank that you have, you know, a six-month runway, a 12-month runway where you're saying, okay, I'm going to be fully funded for whatever. If your mind is not right, it will take a little bit longer. But eventually, you're going to be at the same place. 
as someone who sort of kind of leaped, but not really. <laughs> right? Because neither one of those set out with intention, set out with the right mindset. And you're going to need it, as you you said earlier, at each point in your your entrepreneurial journey. It's not this one time you take this leap and, oh, I'm an entrepreneur now. I made the leap. I made the jump. It's over. Like, I can just kind of focus on whatever. It's like, no, it's a continuous leap and jump because the opportunities that come for entrepreneurs that make their own opportunities, oftentimes those opportunities come after failures. They come after colossal mistakes. They come after things that you're like, oh, my God, why me? The major opportunities, the shifts, all those, those come after really painful moments. And if your mindset isn't fortified where you can see those as opportunities Mm -hmm. and not as threats or problems, then again, you're going to be in that same place five, ten years later. Entrepreneur, but broke. (laughs) I'm glad you said that, too, just to reiterate that there you've got to. You know, we want to give you permission. First of all, if you have a burning desire to figure out where it fits, because mm-hmm. I think there are opportunities to kind of put your toe in the water. Maybe you want to work for a smaller company. Mm-hmm. Maybe that desire is begging you to do something a little different, but not a full-fledged. And it, there's no shame if you look, it's not for everybody. Not everyone should be an owner, but there's a very, there's a clear, it's the knowing, the burning and the knowing. Mm-hmm. And we want to prepare people to to make a commitment to play. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most important part because I think a lot of the language out there, to your point, is like one and done. I'm an entrepreneur now. I read this book. I know how to do mm-hmm. it. I have this plan. I'm oh good. My gosh. And no, no, no. No. We want you to know that this is this is a playground. And it's it takes a tough skin to be able to to get up and fall and play and bruise and see it as punched in the face sorry yeah and (laughs) and know that it really is all in good fun because if you can take it if not take it but stay focused stay committed Mm -hmm. to the fact that you are nurturing this desire in you because it was given it is a gift and it is not without pain but it is full of fruit as long as you're willing to wake up and farm it day in and day out are you willing to be diligent and consistent and obedient to that desire and right. recognize a punch in the face is just one thing one day. Right. So that leads me to the big question, which is going to take up um, a little chunk of time for both of us to talk about our own leap story. Um, I'm sure we both have shared this story um, a bunch of times at this point, but for our audience who are obviously not aware of your leap story i don't know which one you're going to choose (laughs) because you've left you've left a few times hear that (laughs) so uh anyone that you you want to kind of talk about um i got nervous all of a sudden when you asked that question really yes okay i'm I'm intrigued with myself like why am i physically nervous about it Hmm. um but i want to go back to the very first one the one that started the whole entrepreneurial journey okay and that is when 2019 so uh, we said it i have a very different story than Caroline does so i was the one who had the runway i had a good corporate job i had a steady marriage i was ready with a nest egg and i'd hit a ceiling and honestly i hit that ceiling in my corporate job years before i decided to do this and i had an an anxious knot that would kind of pop up like every few months when things were quiet and peaceful and my life was easy, I would be uneasy. And it wasn't until my then husband said, what are we waiting for? What are we doing this for? And it forced me to face that same question that I'd been noodling with of what am I doing with my life? And I had said a very dangerous story for a long time that I didn't have any innate talents Mm. and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I let myself float along with whatever opportunities were available. And the only thing I knew I could do was work really hard. I knew I could do that. No matter what I was presented with, I just figured, oh, well, maybe I just don't have a thing. 
<laughs> I'm laughing because that is so silly. But I say that because I know there's probably a lot of people who feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my way of saying I wasn't enough, that I looked at other people that I thought were talented and thought that's not me. I'm not good enough at any one thing like they are mm-hmm. without recognizing, to your point, that there's a lot of work. There's There are God-given talents. But when you see one that shines really bright and beautiful that you think is so natural, there's a lot of man hours behind that beauty. And when my when when my then husband said, what are we doing? I couldn't deny it anymore. And I jumped into full bore, just put in a two weeks notice because I didn't have any other way to do it. Um, I'm I like to focus on one thing at a time. And I'd really never been able to do that. And I thought, well, how powerful could it be if I could just focus on one project, just quit my job? And I figured the fear would force me forward, Mm -hmm. which it did. And um, it was nauseating, honestly, like physically, I was physically hot. I was sweating from head to toe, which I don't think I'd ever done before. Even when I was ill, it was a it was a whole new physical experience Mm -hmm. just to send the email and to quit. Mm. And and those that first the first year, I really didn't even have time to be scared. I really thought things, I've, I've kept myself busy. That's exactly what I did. I kept myself busy. And um, I chose to go into an industry that I was already in, in sales. I stayed in that and did consulting and attended conferences and read books and did book clubs and joined networking. And I just dove into everything head first. And it was a lot of learning all at once. And because I felt I was learning, I felt there was activity And after about a year, I realized all the activity hadn't really added up to a full business. And then COVID hit. Mm. And right when I was trying to scale it and add people in, which I'm glad now I did not because I was not, I did not have a, I did not have steady legs at that time as a company. It wouldn't wouldn't have been good, but I couldn't scale. And then burnout came. Mm. And then eventually, you know, the uh, the opportunity to get into a different business with another business partner happened. And I was like, okay. And by the way, what I'm glossing over right now is we ran out of money. We had a year and a half of money. We ran out in nine months. Mm-hmm. Then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Then the scrimping and the saving. And it was it went deep because... <laughs> I'm an all or nothing person, apparently, (laughs) at that time, right? Because here's what I was doing, people. I was believing that if you just try hard enough, you want it hard enough, you hustle hard enough, you quote unquote, do whatever it takes. Mm. I don't recommend that, by the way. Um, But I thought that's how you had to do it. I thought, oh, you're not committed if you don't sell your house and sell your spare car and starve just a little, I was like, I thought you weren't real. Just a little bit. No. Right? Like, and because I think that's romanticized, like living out of your oh, car. Yeah. Ed Milet talks oh, about that. Oh, my goodness. Other entrepreneurs talk about all of the crazy stories and how they got their lights shut off. And and I thought that as that was happening to me, I was like, oh, I'm really, I'm gaining clout. One day when I'm successful, I'll tell this story. Well, you know, after six months of racking up all the stories, the same stories everyone else did, I realized all I did was follow their failures, not their successes. And then I hadn't really gleamed what I was doing wrong at all. I felt like I knew what a successful business looked like, but I couldn't figure out why I wasn't running one. Mm. Mm. Not to my standards. You know, it was success on paper. It was a success based on taxes. Sure. But it wasn't a fruitful company that brought consistent cash flow. Mm. That was clear in its brand and clear in its vision. I felt I was always scrambling for that. And what I now know, looking back, is that I was out of alignment with my business partners. So as things dissolved, both in my marriage, unfortunately, that one took a hit too. Everything took a hit. My wallet did, my mind, my body, my marriage. Everything took a hit. Everything I worked for, for those 30 plus years before the leap, slowly but surely imploded. Then I got a new business partner. Um. <laughs> Not Carolee. It was another leap. <laughs> Thanks. Clear that up. Well, which, you know, I, I will say partnership, to me, that was a clear lesson. Partnership is key. Trying to do it by yourself, doing it, even just one and two people, 
there's lots of talent to be had. Mm -hmm. And the reason I stayed so isolated for two and a half, three years was because I was afraid to say that it wasn't working. Mm. And that kept me in place for months and months and months and unfortunately did not progress the business I was trying to create at all. So learned another lesson. Second business partner comes around. More misalignment. More everything's okay. And I'll tell you this. I was saying that while getting divorced. I was still telling people everything was okay. Until the, I mean, and be careful, people. The universe <laughs> comes for you. It comes for you. It rewards you and it comes for you. If you show up with intention and desire and just authentic effort again and again and again and say, okay, today was hard or today didn't work. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Not a hustle. Just a, I'm going to stay diligent to what I know is right. It shows up. It just takes its time. Sometimes when you're taking a step, it's taking 10 and it just takes a while like a magnet before it comes to you. And if you're doing the wrong stuff, it will it will consistently give you clues. It will push you out of the nest over and over and over and over. And I'd been pushed out of a nest and then I got pushed again and again and again until I got it. Not that I got it all together. <laughs> I'm more convinced now that I will never know anything and then that will be okay. Mm. What it did to me finally was push me to the right partner. And I knew it was right because I had felt what was wrong. I could see after enough time it happened. That's when you and I got to meet. And I was like, oh, this is what a, a good, solid working relationship can look like. You and I only stepped our toes in the water. We met through a mutual connection, networking. We had a good conversation, then another, then an idea. Then we started this podcast. It was actually last year and realized, oh, wow, this could actually work. This could look different. Maybe just maybe it doesn't have to be like it was before. And that's when I talk about grief because I had to let go of some very old ideas mm. and open myself up again to the idea that a working relationship could look different, of what a good partnership in business could look like. And also during that time of personal transition, let go of who I thought I was or who I was supposed to be and tell a very different story. Mm. And I think that to me is the thing that's carrying me through everything new is it put a faith inside of me to say, you know what, I can fall and get back up. I can change and still show up. I can talk about real things. Because now I've had to go out there and, you know, when, when I've been out networking with people I've known for years and they, maybe they haven't seen me, happened yesterday. Guy said, hey, how's the hubby? I'm like, he's an ex. <laughs> That's not comfortable. Yeah. It's not comfortable for anybody when you say it. But now I have so many tools where I can say like, yeah, that didn't work. Mm. And I'm okay with it not working because in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, but I did it. Because the alternative and I had to remind myself of this for many years. The alternative was to live and die at a desk and not build anything at all. Mm. Um, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, it doesn't matter how many times I've have heard the story. It's always touching. Um, it always reminds me of the fact that you just never know what someone's going through. Mm. And you can see them walking around. Smells always smiling. <laughs> You know, you'll hear her when she's around. She's bubbly. She's, you know, engaged. But there's always a story, right? So I, I love that. And thank you for sharing that. And I know that there are so many people that can relate to that leap story. Um, for me, I think my story starts so much, so much earlier than I ever thought, really. I was... You know, a kid um, living in Jamaica with, like, a crazy imagination. Um, I'm not going to tell you all the things I did. My family knows. They already think I'm weird. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, I just, I always wanted to teach. I always wanted to share what I knew. And I would do that with inanimate objects. I would do that with cleaning um, supplies. <laughs> 
and, you know, brooms and mops and all the things with, you know, and then it led to when I moved here, creating whole worlds in my backyard. I was an incredibly free little girl. My brain, my mind, there was like no limitation. So not only did I create an imaginary world in my backyard that had like a grocery store and all, like I had a mall. Um, I I actually convinced my friends and my younger cousins and siblings that it existed. And we all went back there and played in my imaginary world. And I didn't realize until, you know, recently just how powerful that was. And I would write stories and I would draw and all these different things. And then after high school, just kind of stopped. Hmm. I I was writing poetry in, in college, uh, got published in my college literary journal, my poetry. Really proud of that. But pretty much... I, I kind of lost any of that and fell into expectations, right? And I got darn near a 4.0 GPA graduation after college. I was, I was told that I was going to be special and I was going to get a good job and everything's going to be great. Like, you know, graduating on top of your class, like what could go wrong? <laughs> um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous question. <laughs> so um, graduated in the middle of a recession, not the most recent one, the the one from 08 to 2010. And in graduating um, within that, I, because of fear, decided to not intern at MTV or Sony Music in New York because mm. I was living in Boston at the time. I, I got opportunities to do either one. And I chose to stay in Boston and uh, intern at a small, small shop um, that did like voiceover acting and all kinds of stuff. And that's where it started. Mindset wise, I shrunk and I kept shrinking for the next like 10 years. I didn't see that, but to go from the girl that was, I mean, I, I was on fire. When I say on fire, I mean... I exuded a level of like, I got this. Get out of my way. I'm about to I'm about to just like change the world. Like I was that personality. And up until college, that was and maybe I was a quiet kid, but I was always inside of me. I was so creative and blah blah blah, all this stuff. And it just stopped. And I graduated and I I tempted for years in different positions almost every company you can think of or industry I should say I've tempted somewhere within that um I could go down a laundry list I'll save you the trouble um but as I was moving further and further away from what I actually desired and what I thought was going to happen a gift was given to me by a professor who forced me to do a graphic design project in college my one of my last classes at Fitchburg State University in Massachusetts. Go check it out. Uh, <laughs> um, he forced me to do it. And because of that, I fell in love with graphic design and, and started doing it on the side, just out of pure love, not trying to get paid for it, not, you know, anything. Um, and I used that as just a way for me to express what was inside that I couldn't do anywhere else. Because mm-hmm. here I was, admin assistant, like working dang near minimum wage jobs, temping all over the place, literally dying a little bit inside every day. And that was my only saving grace is that I was doing these creative projects on the side for friends and family and eventually small businesses. And I would get the question from well-meaning family members, what are you doing with your life? You graduated at the top of your class. Oh, I didn't mention, I went to, got my master's at one of the top universities in the country and went right back into temping. Wow. Mindset. I didn't see me being 
anything other than what people were already telling me, which is like, what's on your resume? And what's on my resume is I'm an administrative assistant. Mm-hmm. Even with a master's from a top university, I allowed that narrative to continue. And the more my family showed concern and verb- like verbalized their concerns, the more I started to believe that narrative of like, yeah, this is what it is. And I don't know what it, and I, I haven't done the deep work enough to know when the shift happens. I don't think it, I don't think it was a moment. Maybe it was multiple things shifting. I do know that my supervisor at MIT, computer science and artificial intelligence, she saw something in me. I was, I was her executive assistant. I sucked. <laughs> oh, but I, I should also say I, I was an assistant. I was an assistant for several years. I was terrible. Like I would not pay me if I had to hire me <laughs> in oh CMC. God. Oh, within two weeks. Like, all right, Curly, you, you got to go. <laughs> Attention to details was not my thing. Which is kind of the whole point of being an administrative assistant is paying attention to details that your boss would miss. True. Um, God bless her for seeing the other things that I wanted to do. And she would give me those opportunities and those opportunities more in corporate relations. So dealing with sales, mm-hmm. helping out with the sales, helping out with events, doing all those all those things. She had me redesign the logo for the group within the lab at MIT and actually present it and like the whole thing. I used that experience to go and apply for a job I had no business applying for. (laughs) (laughs) And for the first time, took a leap of faith and said, okay, I think this is where I want to go. And it was from there. And again, I was, I was still doing graphic design on the side, having clients and doing that work, but I just was incredibly insecure because I had been, pushed down and allowed myself to be pushed down into a I only think it's a box it's like a corner (laughs) hole um and then that job I remember I had like a ten thousand dollar raise to this next job wow within two years I had gotten two promotions and then I left that job and then my job after that I got fifteen thousand dollars raise I was at that job for 10 months, absolutely hated it, won't say the name, but I left that job and got a $10,000 raise. Wow. In the space of just a few years, Mm. I almost tripled my income mindset. Mm. Somewhere in there, and I do think it has to do with someone actually seeing me and believing in me because she's still someone that I talk to to this day. We've kept in touch for almost 10 years. I think she saw me and then I started seeing myself and remembering. Um, and I remember in 2015, it was the job that I, I left MIT to get. I was about to leave that job. And I said, oh, um, I know you guys are going to be looking for a new person to replace me. But, you know, they're going to have to be doing sales writing, graphic design, you know, actually going out there and selling like doing all this stuff I can take like a quarter of this and just do the graphic design stuff and you guys can become my client and then you just have to find someone to do the development like the business development and they're like oh okay so my old my old job became one of my first real corporate clients because I sold them into that's awesome. <laughs> putting me on as a consultant. There is no way that Carolee from just a few years before that would have done that, right? And even with that happening, I remember so specifically because I was making my first logo after that for my business, quote unquote business. Um, and I was like, oh, I would love to do this full time, like all the time nah who like I can't do that I'm just starting to make like okay money I wouldn't be able to make this kind of money doing this who's gonna hire someone who never went to school for graphic design to do their stuff like that's crazy and I just tucked that idea back into 
you know, my little pocket and never thought about it again. Um, Cut to 2019. By that point, I had gotten into a second master's program because why not? Um, I was also going through ordination, uh, MDiv at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Shout out. Um, (laughs) And I was in a relationship. I mean, on paper, this was, I mean, great job, finally. On paper. On paper, because it was terrible. Uh, On paper, getting paid good money, finally. Being able to travel and eat when I wanted to and do all the things. In a relationship with someone who was like, Again, on paper, mm-hmm. phenomenal choice. Yep. Right? I'm going to seminary. I'm taking Greek. I'm taking Hebrew. I'm taking all the things that's just like, oh, my gosh. I'm preaching. I'm teaching Bibles. I'm doing all the things. I'm leading in my church on paper. And if you didn't know me, it's living a phenomenal life. In reality, I, I couldn't stand the life that I was living. Hmm. By December 2019, though I never attempted it, I almost on a daily basis seriously seriously thought about just not being here. Like imagined and thought about like, well, if this car just kind of came and just if I just swerved a little bit, then I had those same fantasies. Yeah. So and it kept happening. And I decided January 2020. All right, God, um, I'm about to be off this. <laughs> you, you need to do something because this life, this this way that it's going, I'm miserable everywhere. <laughs> and 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 I, I prayed for money, but I didn't pray for all this. Um, <laughs> and I, I said, I need answers. I, I need for you to tell me what to do because I'm so lost. And what I did was... Um, Mike Todd and his church, um, they have a three-week fast every year starting in January to, to kick off the new year. And even though I'm not a member, I decided to do the fast with them just to focus in on my stuff. And through that fast, the three weeks, I prayed about my relationship. I prayed about the job that I was in. I prayed about everything that I just felt so uneasy about. And then... The fast ended, and I was like, okay, nothing happened. And then a week later, my su- my supervisor brings me into her office and tells me, the board has your name on their agenda. What? My response, exactly. Um, I'm not going to get into all of the um, really fun details of that. One of the worst places I've ever worked in my entire life, um, I got let go. Mm. Um and if you want to know the details, if you know me, if you're in Dallas area, I'm happy to tell. Can't tell it on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's an off mic conversation. Exactly. Um, but I got let go. And then uh, um, less than a month after that, I kind of took that as like God's like, OK, I mean, that was an answer. Was not expecting that. Did I want it at that moment? Probably not. <laughs> but <laughs> that it's was an answer. A, it is. So and then relationship ended that really quickly after that um and in the midst of all of that was going down as well I it's other things that I keep missing uh I lost my hair um to alopecia and I decided to do a a big chop in the middle of 2019 I think I was also grieving that Mm. at the end of the year as well but I spent the entire summer of 2020 while everyone was like, oh, I can't go outside. What's going on? I was so happy. <laughs> I was besides myself, so free. And the last thing that had to go was my wig. Mm. I had been wearing a wig since I chopped my hair off because the person I was in a relationship with at the time did not want to walk around with me with my bald head didn't want me to be around his family with bald head wow yeah um and because i had had long hair my whole life and anyone who's known me for and before the bald phase knows exactly what i mean my locks were down you know my back 
Before that, my afro was like huge. Before that, you know, my um, relaxed hair was like down past my, um, you know what? Uh. <laughs> um, so it it was a change, and I didn't know how to deal with it, and I wasn't with someone who was loving me well to to deal with that. So even after we broke up in March, it took me into August. Wow. To yeah, mindset. Yeah. To to deal with that. And even all the while, by the way, I'm I lost my job, I'm losing boyfriend, all I never thought about, okay, jobs, like what do I need to do? I just kind of took a break and decided to, you know, eat pray love it for a little bit. Um and uh eventually after I shaved my head off again in September, beginning of September, I decided that I wanted to go back into the workforce and specifically go into tech marketing. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start applying all the things. And I started applying while I'm building up, you know, at the time Seymour Creatives. I'm I have clients, people are coming to me to help them produce their podcasts, you know, do graphic design, coming to me to help refresh their socials. Um, I was even doing web design at the time, started kind of dabbling in, in that. And all the while I'm saying, well, no, this thing has just been a side thing because, again, back to 2015, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And my leap came when... I was talking to my roommate at the time and I was like, I, I don't want to stay in Boston. I want to stay in Massachusetts. I want to leave. And she's like, well, why don't you? I was like, well, you know, and I get, I get all of the, she's like, I think you should just do it. And so that planted the seed. So I started doing my research. I'm a type A ish. So I make the spreadsheets and do all the things. I'm looking at different cities, different states, whatever. I come to Dallas because I went through Austin. I'm like, mm, it's a little too weird for me. Too much like Boston. Sorry. Um, and then Houston has its own issues. It's a little young feeling for me. And I knew that I wanted a family eventually and all those things. So I was like, mm, not Houston. And then Dallas kind of just popped up because it was close by. But as I looked through all the things, it was phenomenal. The entrepreneurship piece, even though I had no desire, quote unquote, to do it full time, I still looked at that because as mm-hmm. you said, there's a knowing there. Yep. Whether or not you want to accept it, it's there. And for me, it wasn't until December of that same year, 2021, 2020, sorry, um, where a friend of mine was came to visit from D.C. And she basically was kind of like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> I'm like, a job? <laughs> She's like, well, I mean, Carly, you've been this person that's jumped from here to there. God has kind of kept you through all of these transitions how many different jobs did you have Mm. how many different apartments did you live in something else i didn't tell y'all i moved almost every year oh my gosh through yeah Uh, when i tell you Mm. uh this again it's 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 a it's a long journey but i in her saying what she did i finally got it Mm. and this was like the first part of the leap was okay my little coins that I have in my bank account wasn't a lot. I said, I'm going to take this. I'm going to pay for an Airbnb for three weeks. A friend of mine paid to get my car shipped. Another friend of mine paid for my plane ticket to come to Dallas. Wow. And I got here. I paid for the first three weeks of an Airbnb. I didn't have any more money. The only other funds I had and I was keeping was for first, first last ish maybe not really not even first last like first and some <laughs> i was like we just gonna make it happen i don't know um so i got here stayed the second day i got here came to an apartment in the colony apartment complex and they're like yeah it's a brand new complex this would be you would be the first person living in this apartment and if you move in earlier than the first we can prorate it and you get the first month free mm-hmm. the reason I ended up getting that first month free is because I was too broke to afford the fourth week in the Airbnb. So I pretty much came to the colony the beginning of February and I had three weeks to come up with the next month. It's been two years. I've never been late in my rent since I've lived here. The leap that I took was to finally say, I don't have it all figured out. Don't know what I'm doing, 
I don't even know if this is going to work. But if I don't do this, I'm going to end up homeless. <laughs> it wasn't romantic. It wasn't like I chose it like, yes, yeah. I'm going to be a full-time entrepreneur. I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that I needed to do something. And so I met someone at my second networking event. Her name is Heidi Riddles. And I just saw her everywhere. I saw that she and she gave me a list of places that she frequented, uh, that she networked all the time. And I was like, I'm just going to follow you. And for the next month, that's exactly what I did. I just followed her everywhere. Every event that she was at, I was at. And then whoever I met there, whatever event they were going to and they invited me to, I was there too. To the, to the point where in the first six months of me being in Dallas or in this area, no one believed me when I said I just moved here. Because <laughs> you were <laughs> three months, Yeah, three months before that, six months before that. And so the leap for me, for anyone who has been told or been asked, like, what are you doing with your life? Why don't you have it all together? Why don't you know what you want to do? <laughs> why, why is it that you just feel... Like, you don't have a purpose. You don't have anything. I have to say to, to you right now, you have to go inside. Trying to find your purpose, trying to find your guide or whatever from external people, whether they're family or friends, they mean well. They love you. But if you can't go inside and really dig deep, you're in trouble. Because you will always be searching. It was only when I stopped trying to fight it, when I took the fear off, I said, I can't do that. And I replaced it with, why can't I do that? And then it got replaced with, I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's, I'm going to do that damn well, all the time. And Mel knows this. My, my desire is to do everything that I do 100% because I've lived for years on like 40, mm. 60, not giving 100% because I knew that was not where I was supposed to be. Mm. I just didn't have, I didn't have the tools. I, I didn't have anyone speaking into me to say, hey, not only, oh my God, what are you doing in your life? But this is not you. Hmm. You're not meant for this. Instead of the pointing down and what are you doing? If it's your kid that you're worried about, that's just like, oh my gosh, he just feels like he's just not he, having his life together. He's bouncing all over the place. He's looking for something. And it's up to you to encourage the pieces that you see, the, the things that he's grasping at. Right. Because a lot of times entrepreneurship, the thing that you're meant to do, right, is it's in your life already. It's for you to tap into. And I I find it because you, you laughed right after you said it when you're like, I didn't have any skills. I don't have any any like purpose or the thing that I'm supposed to kind of do. Yeah. Mel, you're a builder. You're a builder. And there are a lot of people that are visionaries that can't build squat. <laughs> Yeah, I've met some of those. <laughs> and when you are with someone who is a visionary that understands the builder, because they're being forced to be one in their net. <laughs> True. When I met you, I was like, oh, she does what I was tr like being forced to do so naturally. Like she wants to do the things that I was being forced to do that I have <laughs> no desire whatsoever. Very true. That is, for us, I think, why this works. But really, the leap is a beautiful thing. I think hindsight. <laughs> it's, not, it's not fun when you're going through it. Uh, but if you, if you keep your eyes open as you're, as you're going and you're jumping off, if you keep your eyes open, you will see the amazing view. All the amazing things. Don't miss it. Because if you leap with your eyes closed, a.k.a. in fear, you won't learn the lessons you need to learn. And trust me, hitting that concrete, honey. <laughs> if you didn't understand and you hit that concrete, you're starting from scratch. You really are. And we both had to figure out what the leap is. You've leapt several times, right? You too. True. 
in different ways, right? Not just in business, but creativity and all the things that happened in my childhood as far as being this kind of bold and I'm still, and that's the crazy part. And it's the amazing part for me. I'm still only like 70%. I'm glad you said that out loud for people. Yeah. Because I feel like you and I have gotten a lot of feedback about, oh, about how we look online. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean physically. I mean, people are judging our success based on what we put out there. Mm -hmm. And that's always a compliment. I'm glad to be seen. And I have to remind myself all the time that my work is not done. I feel like so much of it's just beginning. Yeah. A thousand percent. And I... Full disclosure, still have a lot of fear of what me at 100% looks like. I'm so glad you said that. It is. Hmm. And I think maybe it's not unique for women. I think it looks different in the sense that yes. when you're an ambitious woman, a ambitious woman, really, uh, when you're an, an real talk, <laughs> an ambitious woman, <laughs> um, it can be scary because you don't know if everyone's going to accept you at like 100, like where it's like full, like, as you said, beast, whatever, right? When you, when you release that, because it's true. I know what God has placed inside of me. I know the things that he's kind of whispered as like, this is where you're going, right? I see that. And I see bits and pieces of it come through whenever I do a training or I'm on a, a webinar mm-hmm. or I'm speaking in front of people. And it's taken a minute. For me to just be okay and accept like, yo, you're going to be in front of people for a very long time because this is a part of why you went through what you went through. There's so many people suffering in silence and he's released me from the guilt and the shame from all the things that I've gone through. I'm no longer bound by that. So being able to speak to that and be authentic and real about it. As I'm still growing and accepting what he's planted inside of me, it's a beautiful thing. And I am scared about what 100% looks like because it's it's going to require more grief. It's more grief. Oh, my gosh. Because what, what else are we building and mm-hmm. who else do we have in our lives who are going to fall off? Oh, my gosh. And that happens. Here's another nugget. This was very true and it was advice I got, some of the best advice I ever got. When I took my first initial leap was from a good friend who'd been an entrepreneur for a long time. And she said, be aware that the people you care about in your life are all going to handle this very differently. And Mm -hmm. you need to give them room to respond however they will without judgment. She said some of them will move away quickly. Some will try to keep up and fall off. Some will judge harshly. Mm -hmm. Some will actually support you. And she -hmm. said, no matter what, remember, as those fall off. There needs to be room for new people to come in because you will need new people now, new resources, new ideas, a different type of support. And she said, those who fall off don't always fall off permanently. She said, don't worry. It all happens the way it happens, but don't cling and clamor for those relationships. Be open to new. Oh, my gosh. First of all, I hope y'all heard that because that is probably one of the hardest things that you will go through as an entrepreneur is friends that you've had since childhood sometimes. Yes. Right? Marriages. All of these things that you thought were just going to be around. Yes. Until you were old and gray. And all of a sudden, y'all are no longer friends. Yeah. And they now see you as someone, you know, fill in the blank. Mm Mm-hmm. And I grieved that more than I grieved anything else. Same. Actually, I really did well before my, my father passed away, I would say. Yeah, That's bef- probably before harder... my marriage that was <laughs> right. But that and that continues to happen. Uh, yeah. people coming and going. Yeah. Yeah. That's because tough. it does make you question yourself. That's mm-hmm. the other piece of it. It's mm-hmm. like, am I headed in the right direction if this person that I love and trust and respect yeah. is falling off? Am I off track? Am I am I a bad person? Oof. Because honestly. That was that's a <laughs> huge piece for me because I'm a people pleaser. It doesn't come off that way when you first meet me because it feels like okay, she's <laughs> um, but introvert, I am, right? <laughs> but I I am a people pleaser, and it it's really hard for when you're a people pleaser 
when people start to kind of go away from you, where they no longer want to be your friend, where they feel like mm-hmm. you're not giving them priority in your life, and they're not. Meanwhile, they're not understanding. Like, chick, I, I don't even know what's going to happen to me next week, as far as being able to like keep my lights on. Yeah. Right. I'd, I'm out networking and meeting people and doing all kinds of things the entire day. It's six o'clock at night. I am exhausted. I'm stressed. I'm worried. I am overwhelmed mm-hmm. with fear. It is really hard for me to be kicking in on the phone right now. Very hard to the point I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, they, they can't relate to you and no. you can't relate to them anymore. Exactly. And that's okay. And that is okay. It took me a minute. I think I'm finally healed from some of those. And it took over a year. Yeah, right? same. And it, it it sucks. Like, it's it's not, you know. But I don't yeah. I don't look at it the same anymore. I definitely don't have any, like, resentment. Me either. I right? handled, I did do exactly what we're talking about. I, I didn't let it go. Mm-hmm. I followed my friend's advice and I said, nope, she said this is supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say that because I really listened. And then when it happened to me, I was like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. It's happening. Yeah, It's happening. And I just decided to stay strong just see my way through it and let it unfold and think well i bet someone new is coming and sure enough it sometimes that happened within weeks yep a friend would break up oh. and two three weeks later i'd meet someone and they would and they'd give me some kind of life an idea an introduction a business deal yeah it i mean it was trippy for me and we have, we're closing up soon uh if you're still listening thank you <laughs> um but right um one of my re- like my closest friend um, decided to end our friendship. And within weeks of that very, very, very fresh, you know, um, departure from my life, where I was still kind of crying about it and just not okay, my first friend, my second friend that I made when I moved to the United States in Boston, mind you, I was now in Texas. Um, she just randomly reached out to me. We hadn't talked in years. This was the friend that, you know, you made up uh, your own language with and would sleep over your house for like three or four days out of the school week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, that was my sister. And for a bunch of different reasons, we stopped being friends. And here it was, right after the, like, most painful friendship, breakup, whatever, um, that happened. She comes back in with an apology and a sincere, hey, how's how's your father? And I just broke down because at that point, that was April. He passed in July or, sorry, February, passed in July. And so he was already very sick and she had known him. He was like a second father to her. So I knew it was going to break her when she heard that. And so she called me, we talked and we've been rebuilding our friendship ever since. Mm. So I'm not just saying that to say it like, oh, you know, you lose some, you gain some. No, it's like a real thing. (laughs) Like you will lose friendships. That is a thing. In entrepreneurship, it's a given. It's a a part of the process that you just have to get used to and be okay with. But the things that come in its place, as hard as it might seem that it's going to actually fill that, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. I think it gives you gratitude for Mm. the fruitful, deep relationships Mm. you will build Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You will need them. You'll need those skills. And I don't know if you really can build a loving, fruitful relationship. And I say that whether it's professional or or personal, because they're often intermingled anyway, you have to have that grace available to have really good, open, vulnerable conversations to get the support you need as an entrepreneur from other entrepreneurs. And I don't know if you can go there if your heart hasn't been broken just a little bit Mm -hmm. by the loss of someone you thought was a good friend. Mm -hmm. And it gives you perspective to recognize, oh, this is quality. Yeah. This is the quality I'm capable of, Mm -hmm. that I'm deserving of, that I need, and that's being provided. Yeah. This is the friendship that I need in this season. That's right. 
this is the kind of friendship that I need in this season. Because as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be able, well, you shouldn't be if you're working on your business, should not have three to four hours a day to, you know, to be talking to your friends. It's just not going to be a part of your life that way. And the folks that get it and understand it, that this is a season that eventually Mm -hmm. this won't be the thing, right? Or, hey, friendship's going to change. Here's the new normal. Um, We're going to check in on Saturdays, right? You know, we're going to go for a walk or, you know, if you're not living in the same state, we're going to figure out how to like have dinner together, you know, Mm -hmm. virtually once a week. Like there, there are ways that you can still have a friendship while you're, you know, running your business and being intentional about that where it doesn't feel like it is another chore, another thing that you have to check off your list. That is, um, I would say, one of the things that, again, doesn't get talked about enough, this idea that, you know, friends will go, family members, you know what I mean? Yeah. I I think one of the most beautiful things that have happened with me is, uh, and I, I don't think she would mind me sharing this, one of the people that was kind of like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> um, when I was kind of going through my transitions with my, my older sister and, you know, cut to in a most beautiful way. She's now a client at CMC Marketing Company working on her own thing that she's going to launch soon. And being a part of that journey with her as she takes the leap. her eventual leap is wild and how my leap i i'm not gonna take you know any credit for that but i know seeing it up front for her seeing me build this company from what she knew to now she's watching i know that means something i know that so whatever you're building just know people are watching it's not some not for the right reasons but people are watching And being intentional about what you're building, knowing that there will be losses, you never know the impact that you'll have on the people that are in your sphere and eventually people that are not in your current sphere, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know where this podcast is going to go. But that's really really it. The leap is the hardest, most beautiful thing that you will experience. And you'll know when you're ready. When the burning, the longing, that gut desire is higher and more powerful than your fear. Again, this is not a marketing sales thing. Uh, This is just for us to build a community of people who are ready to shift their mindset so they can transform their business. Awesome. And you can find our agency online, cmcmarketing.co. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at that handle and LinkedIn because they're weird. It's CMC Marketing Co. And you can find me, Carolee Moore, at Carolee Moore because I'm boring. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) On all the grown folk social media platforms that includes Facebook, LinkedIn, and for the most part, Instagram. (laughs) Uh, same for me the the grown ones I'm Melanie Rice on LinkedIn and Facebook and the real Melanie Rice on Instagram you're welcome because there's a a fake one out there you're welcome (laughs) yes Um, and lastly we want to invite you to continue this conversation with us over on Facebook we have a growing and thriving Facebook group of amazing entrepreneurs that are trying to be more mindful, we'd love for you to come in there and add your two cents. You can find it at facebook.com slash be more mindful podcast grow getters. And as we always sign off and say, happy growing. Happy growing.